0: Welcome to the Profitable Farmer podcast, where we share stories and tips to help you run a better farming business and create your very own freedom farm. If you're looking to work smarter and not harder in your farm business, welcome, you're in the right place. G'day everyone, happy Easter and welcome to Profitable Farmer. Um, we are approaching a change in season and into some cooler climate all of a sudden, and I hope this um, season is starting to turn up for you. It gives me great pleasure in this podcast to invite our CEO at Farm Owners Academy, Sam Johnson, to join us. Sam's nearing two years with FOA and has just brought so much value, so much professionalism And really strong leadership to where we've been. I reflect, Sam, over the last two years, we've just achieved so much. How do you reflect, firstly, welcome, and secondly, how do you reflect on the two years um, from stepping from um, construction and design consultancy into our business and, um, you know, and helping us implement well and and grow. How do you reflect on your journey so far?
1: Thanks, Hutch, and welcome everyone. It's great to be back with you all today. um geez, It's been a pretty awesome two years, Hutch. It's it's gone very fast. Actually, just reflecting on it, uh, hasn't felt like two years has gone by, but uh it, it has gone has gone quickly. And I think when you're having fun with what you're doing every day, and you're getting to work with some great people across the rural community and um, an incredible team like we have, it really does make uh, work incredibly enjoyable. So um yeah, just feel very grateful to be part of this team and part of this community. So thanks for the opportunity um to come along. Uh I guess what what makes me um kind of really inspired by what it is we do at farm owners and what we teach Hutch is that we we also apply it in our business and um you know just reflecting on you know, how much have we achieved in the last two years? One of the things I love doing is our planning sessions every quarter and being able to sit down and and share the wins uh, from across our team and just reset for the next quarter. And it is amazing the power of that document when you look back over the, the two years, how much we have laid down as a, as a business together and and what we have been able to achieve across our broader team, not just for our clients and for our members, but also in terms of improving our business.
0: I totally agree, Sam. I think what's really strong about what we do is that we eat our own cooking and we practice what we preach. Um, That's something I'm equally proud of. And I guess what I want to explore with you today, Sam, is over the last month, I've spoken to so many farming families and I've asked them a question, you know, do you feel like you're being proactive in how you're leading your business and team or are you feeling reactive in it at the moment? I think it's, you know, something we're all aware of that last season was protracted and extended and I'm willing to wager that we get arriving into a new season. And I've said this before that so many people might not have allocated enough time to planning. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing people sort of feeling reactive versus proactive in, in where they're up to in their business leadership?
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely, Hutchard, particularly when people are feeling sort of time pressured, they're still trying to finish jobs from last year and getting ready for for this year. It's probably been two years for a lot of businesses where they just have had drawn out ends to the year and um, things have been quite challenging. So, you know, it's easy to get caught in the, the day-to-day and to go, you know what, I'll do planning next week or next month or whatever and it never comes. Um, and all of a sudden you're wondering why, uh, things are feeling a little bit chaotic and you don't quite have the feeling of control that you normally have and you don't, you know, kind of feel on top of your game as as well as you could be.
0: Yep. thank you. So that, that's what I wanted to focus on today. And so for our listeners, are you feeling reactive or proactive and in control of your business and where you're at in your leadership of your business right now? I think it's such an important concept. So many of us are just stuck in the busyness, doing the work of our business, and as Sam just said, not making time to claw back those key moments to get on top of our numbers, on top of our plans, aligned as teams and feeling proactive and in control of where we're off to. Sam, you and I went to the Barossa Valley for two days with our leadership team at FOA, the other day thank you so much one for coordinating that but two for facilitating and leading that conversation so well in your view how important is the planning rhythm that we speak to at farm owners for helping people transition from reactive to proactive it's in
1: my view hutch is critical and um if we use an analogy, but if you're, um, you know, imagine you're in a ballroom and there's a dance going on and you're in there, you know, dancing away and um, you're busy dancing, it's not until you kind of step out, get off that ballroom and go and stand on the balcony and watch the dance from above that you kind of can see what's actually going on and and all the pieces playing out. And I think for me that is what this planning rhythm allows you to do is it, it gives you a couple of days or a day at least each each quarter, to go and just step off the dance floor, get out of the busyness, um, and look at your business from a higher perspective, and and just sort of step back and go, you know, where is it going? Well, where could we improve? Um, what is next for us? And and where are we off to?
0: I love that concept. When faced with a problem, take the highest perspective possible. And I think you're right. the The planning rhythm achieves that for us. So. For those listening that haven't done top producers with us or take control or a part of our PM or alumni programs, what we advocate at Farm Owners Academy is a two day, ideally two day strategic planning meeting with the key members of your leadership team and family. And then every quarter, a day per quarter to actually get out of your business, to review where you're up to on your annual plan, and to reset and plan for the next quarter. A quarter is 13 weeks long and it's a really nice planning horizon to set down meaningful implementation projects and unpack them with your team and then really commit strongly to implementation quarter on quarter. Sam, I think it's been proven out of Harvard that people who plan quarterly can achieve seven times more in a year than those people that plan annually or don't plan at all. Have you heard that concept before?
1: Yeah, I have, Hutch, and I think there's a book, The Rockefeller Habits or something like that, describes that process as well. Um, yeah, very well documented that that this rhythm that you can create, 90-day sort of rhythm, uh, allows you to achieve an incredible amount more in your business Been proven time and time again.
0: Yeah, so that, that book is by Vern Harnish, H-A-R-N-I-S-H, and it's called Mastering the Rockefeller Habits. And it speaks to this rhythm incredibly and accurately and yeah, a book we highly recommend. So, Sam, why is it important to get off farm and away from your business for a two-day planning meeting? What Or these quarterly planning meetings, why is it so important to not do them in the environment that you normally operate in?
1: Yeah, so I think it's Einstein that says you can't solve a problem, uh, you know, from the perspective it was created. And I think that the uh, temptation is when you stay on farm or you stay within the business that um, it's a little bit, you know, you you move from the the thing you were doing this morning that was um, today's problem straight into trying to think strategically. You, you're kind of still distracted and and you're half focused on what you should have, should be doing out in the paddock or in the workshop or whatever. Um, so it's just about creating that space hutch and that different perspective to kind of look at things from Um, and it really is kind of hard to describe the power in it until you actually go and have a crack at it and I'd encourage you to go and find a nice location as well that is a little bit different to your kind of normal um, area that you operate in and, and plan some time in to go and kind of do something for yourself in the mornings or in the afternoon or evenings of those days as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. That going somewhere that is inspiring for you and for those in your leadership team and a unique experience, um, if you can, you know, breaking bread and enjoying dinner and you know, a bottle of wine of an evening or two evenings, and then throwing in, I think we did barefoot golf, didn't we, Sam, on the Friday morning, which was just a, a great impromptu activity that broke up the planning. Um, make it memorable. If every time I remember we went to Nimbo, Sam, and we went trout fishing and it was raining and, um, you know, but it's those memories that you create as a team that can drive and support culture. Um, why is two days? What, why do we recommend that? Why is two days important? Why can't you just jam it into one day and get back to work? Um, why is it that we suggest you need that much time?
1: Well, I guess the agenda that we we encourage people to go through does uh, require really two days to get through Hutch, but there's a bit of time just spent reflecting on where things are at and and where you're at in your business, um, and then to, to work your way through properly the you know setting a, a meaningful ten year goal, breaking that back to a three year goal and a twelve month goal. But it does take some time um, to do that well. And um, so that, that's sort of the first day and a bit. And then the second day is really then drilling down to your next 90 days. So what is our quarterly plan? And um, that's where the rubber hits the road because the plan is useless unless you do anything with it. And um, so that second day really is just about what are we gonna implement this quarter, breaking that into actionable steps so that you're ready to leave that meeting and get stuck into um, those rocks that are gonna move a business forward.
0: Perfect. So before we get into the detail, I do want to work through that agenda with you, Sam. Um, who comes along to these days? If if I'm a farming family and I've got three or four employees from, from juniors up to maybe an operations manager to you know, three or four family members, multiple generations, who comes to, let's say, this first planning meeting um, I think as you get into your second, third, fourth year, you might expand this out. But how do you make that decision and how do you recommend to farming families who comes to the first planning meeting?
1: The the first meeting really needs to have just all of the key decision makers in the business or anyone who's got a stake in its outcome. Um, So it might be um, not necessarily just the uh, members working in the business day-to-day, you might want to include uh, sort of family members as well. If they're key decision makers, they they might have a key stake in the business and be very invested in its outcome. So just thinking about who in the business should be there. But I would keep that first one hutch really focused around the key decision makers or the directors in the business, um, and then look to as you move forward with it, embed this as a system in your business to bring um, you know other team members or people who have an interest in participating in this into those strategic planning days. Yeah, i encourage
0: exactly what you've just described. Until you've got this rhythm nailed and a sort of normal practice for you, I think it's great and really important just to have the key decision makers, the owners in the business, if you like, in the room. Um, then in those quarterly meetings, you might bring in some really important and valued team members, but just important that in the outset when you're doing some of the real big picture priorities, that it's focused on the values and the standards and the goals and the aspirations of the key people. Um, You might then have a follow-up meeting that enrolls the broader team. And that could be the next day or it could be a fortnight later where you share the outcomes of the planning meeting. I've just seen people make the mistake early in this process of trying to bring everyone in the business into these planning meetings and That's just not something that I'd recommend. Would you agree to that?
1: I'd agree, Hutch, yeah, definitely agree with that. And it it also depends a bit what your planning meeting is that you're running. So sometimes those annual planning meetings might involve some pretty deep thinking around where are we off to as a business? Um, Are we on the right trajectory or not? Do we need to change trajectories? That can be a little bit confronting. For some of your team. So I think, you know, whereas the quarterly planning agendas t- tend to be more focused around the next 90 days than the plan that's already in place. So yeah, that, that would be my suggestion is just think about what is it that you're probably going to cover over the course of that two days. And if it involves some pretty significant change in your business that perhaps um, keeping it more focused is better. Yep. And Sam, um, Sam I talk
0: about this at our top producers event, but I think there's four types of plans. There's the plan that's in our head, that's floating around, that's never been written down, um, and I, which we talk a lot about, that if it's in our head, no one can help us make it happen. And if I've got a plan in my head and my wife has a plan in her head and my son and, you know, my father all have plans in their heads, of course we're not aligned. Of course we're not in the same page. The other sort of plan is that 50-page one that we did for the bank three years ago that's now collecting dust in the cupboard and has never been used for anything since. Um, And then I think there's a strategic plan. Sorry, the third one is one that is just purely operational and often it's the one that it's our agronomist or our livestock specialist provides us with, which is our production plan. That's not our strategic plan. What I want to go through with you, Sam, is that really strategic, actionable, concise, focused, um, plan that can be applied on a quarterly basis to drive real improvement. Um, I bet you've seen those four types of plans. Um, sure, sure have what would you say about this one compared
1: to the others? I uh, sure have. And coming out of corporate, um, I think some of our plans at a corporate level tended to lean towards the 50-page plan that ended up collecting dust. Um, interestingly, towards the latter stages of my time there, we were starting to shift more towards um, planning process that is aligned with, I guess, what farm owners teach us. So interesting to know that that's where some big corporate organisations are going as well Just keeping it simple and actionable. Um, so, yeah, I just say it's it's so practical. It's very simple to consume. Basically, once you learn that system, it's easy to can keep updated so it doesn't get out of date um, and it's easy to refer to. And, and I think if you do it well, it's really inspiring. Great comments. So
0: Sam, let's rip into the process that we went through at Barossa.
1: Um, where do you start when you get people together? So I think the the, the place we start, Hutch, is I, I get people to do a little bit of pre-work normally. So just um think about what what um three or four questions that will help them reflect on where we've been and where we're off to. And and um then the first thing we do when we get together is just look at the quarter that's been or the year that's been and reflect on our wins and um, importantly, celebrate those those wins. So uh, it's so easy to just continue charging along. You know, you set this goal, you focus on achieving the goal and um, you don't, you know, take the time to enjoy the journey and really you know, sitting down and, and reflecting on the quarter that was. It's amazing how much you've achieved often and a lot of it you just haven't remembered to celebrate along the way. So it's um, yeah, really valuable process.
0: I think it's a really important leadership moment where we do ask everyone to share what they see as our shared and their individual achievements. Um, Giving that real time and space at the start of this meeting, and it can take well over an hour to go around the room and get everyone and to come up with this exhaustive list. I mean, we did that and there must have been 80 or 100 achievements, um, business and personal achievements across the whole team. To your point, we suck at celebrating as business owners and unless as leaders we acknowledge and make a real feature of that part of the meeting, um, I think we can lose people in the process. But giving them time to speak to what they see as our achievements and contribute to the building out of that list and then framing up that tonight's dinner is all about celebrating the achievements, I think is a really important way to enrol people from the outset. You're getting them participating, you're getting them reflecting, you're getting them into creative, Um, we're writing a shared list. There's so much value in that process. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely, mate. And I think the other thing that I observe when you're running these meetings, the whole energy shifts in the room, like it's um, people come in and they kind of think about what's next and, you know, where are we off to and whatever else, and all of a sudden the energy sort of slows, it slows down a bit um, people kind of they get a smile on their face. They, you know, are reflecting positively, not just about the wins they've achieved personally, but you know, the wins of their team, their team members, and and as as a business and what our clients have been achieving. So it really is a, um, yeah, a really valuable process, and it does just change the energy of the whole of the whole two days. It's a it's an aligning process in and of itself. Um, you know, and you can do a whip
0: around at the end, saying, "How do you all feel about?" what we've just been through and this list of achievements and getting people to check in with how they're feeling about that list and that process is a great way to, you know, to round out that part. So then once once you've listed out your wins and you've, you know, acknowledged those and and made a point of celebrating those, where where do you take us next? So um
1: we we everyone needs to have a set of core values in their business. So it's the, you know, that sets the standard for how you operated, it's how we operate with each other um, and together as a team, but also um, how we support others that we work with outside of our business. So uh, we check in on our core values and, um, you know, it was great that we were able to do that this time, Hutch, and, and, you know, there was no real changes needed there. They pretty much align with where where we're at and where we're off to. So that was brilliant.
0: How do you help or how would you suggest a farming family go about exploring that what's the what's the process that you would have them work through to define the company's core values
1: yes I think you've got to start with what your personal values are so what are the things that that you really value and it can sometimes be easier to think about the things you don't want to have happen and then um, flip that around to what is it that we we do want Um, so yeah it really it can take a bit of time too Hutch like you might put four or five things down initially, and then realize actually, you know what, that one doesn't fully resonate with me and, and you go and change it, um, you know, in 12 months time or six months time uh, to be something that does more align. But I think you've just got to start with something. Um, and yeah, remember their their values, like, you know, it's it's not, um, they're not wishy-washy statements. They need to have meaning that that means something to you and means something to the people who work within your business. and. That's what drives all your decisions.
0: Yep. A clean way to do this, I think, is to grab post-it notes. And as you say, Sam, on each post-it note, to write down what are my five core values as a human? How do I want to be remembered? If, if I could only put five words on my tombstone, what would they be? Um, list those out and even put them in priority order. Um, I like giving a five, four, three, two, one to those. So that they've given a bit of a weight. And if everyone does that, and then you ask the question, you know, what are the core values that we want to underpin the business that we share, then you can come up with a different set of post-it notes. Put those up on the wall and try and group them. It might be that that excellence becomes one, and three of the four of you had excellence, so it goes up there. And because there's three or four post-it notes all clustered together, that one might then rise to the top. One of you might have respect and Three of you might have quality or integrity, um, for example. It's about just putting the post-it notes up on the wall and then having the discussion around that can be really compelling to come up with an aligned and agreed set of core values. Once you've got the words, and to Sam's point, it's I think it's really important to turn it into a standard. So that if excellence is a core value, what? How do you do as a company or as a team, how are you going to do excellence? And coming up with a statement that captures the essence of that. So once you've come up with your four or five core values, you might give one to each of the five people that are around the room and send them away to try and come up with a compelling statement and to come back and present that back. So the idea of this exercise is to come up with a sense of your own core values, which is important. And then what are the ones that we want to share which underpin how we do business? Sam, is it fair to say that a lot of the decisions that we then make can be made from that position and from a basis of the core values? And can the core values underpin most of the decisions that we make?
1: Yeah, I think they support pretty well every decision you then make in your business, particularly around who um, should be a part of your team. So. Hiring on values rather than on skills is is a key part of what we teach. Um, You can teach people skills, but if they don't align with your values, you're going to continue to butt heads. So, um, you know, it starts with you being clear on what those values are first and then then making sure that you bring the right people in that, that also align with your values.
0: Perfect. Where to then, Sam? We've nailed core values. We've celebrated wins. What's the third step in the process?
1: Yeah, so then um, look at what is our core focus as a business, um, which is basically, you know, what do we do to, to make our money is the way I would describe it. Um, and uh, really what our core focus is, is it's the combination of our uh, niche and our hedgehog concept. So, um, Hutch, did you want to describe what the hedgehog concept is and how you sort of see that?
0: Yeah, there's a great book. And if you haven't read this, encourage you to go and get it. It's Good to Great by Jim Collins. And he talks in that about the hedgehog concept. Um, If you think about a hedgehog, um, it can be attacked by every sort of animal on the planet, but it can bunker down and scratch its like an echidna, scratch its feet into the ground and throw up its spines. And it's unbeatable it's impenetrable no animal can really beat it once it's got its bristles up and i think the theory of this is is once you've asked answered and nailed these three questions it just gives you that sort of invincibility or that resilience because there's a real focus to who you are and how you're going to play sam is that a fair description of the hedgehog concept
1: yeah i think there's a temptation um in business to overcomplicate our our businesses and um Really, what this question is getting you to answer is what is it that we can do better than anyone else? I guess is is and and how do we do it in the simplest way possible? Because you know the fox knows multiple things and he's always trying to hunt in different ways, but the hedgehog knows one thing and he knows it really well. So I think that's the the key take out there, and um, it's very true in farming systems. Um, time and time again, that the simplest. Uh, business models, the simplest farming systems, the ones that don't have enterprises that are competing for resources are the highest profit businesses.
0: Perfect. And so the three questions that this part in the process has you ask, and write these down, um, is what are we deeply passionate about? What can we be best in the world at? And what drives our economic engine? So just to give those to you again, what are we deeply passionate about? It makes for a really compelling conversation to get real simplicity around your response to that question. I know as a team, Sam, at Nimbo, we spent probably three hours on these questions. Um,
1: Yeah, so do you want me to, I'm happy to share what they are for us, Hutch, if you want. So if you go through and
0: I'd like you to sort of give particular attention to that third question, what does that one about economic engine actually mean?
1: Yeah, what are we deeply passionate about, Hutch, is helping um, farming families who are the true entrepreneurs of agriculture, that's that's what we came up with for us. Uh, What can we be best at the world at is providing coaching and business education to farming families. Uh, and then what drives our economic engine is the number of farming families completing our education and coaching programs so um, and I think the key thing if you think through that it's good to be able to put that into a metric Um, but if you've got something you're deeply passionate about and you can be best in the world at it but it doesn't drive your economic engine you've got a hobby it's not a it's not a business. So it does need to tick all three of those. You need to work out how to monetize what you can be great at. So we think about that in a farming context too, Hutch. It's about being really clear on okay, what game are we playing? Are we a commodity producer? Or are we a value added business? Um, what are we producing? And and what is it that drives profit for those enterprises that we can choose? You know, can we can we grow it? to the best of our ability, can we be a low-cost producer in our area um, if you're a commodity producing business, for example? So just thinking through that, what is the right enterprise mix for us? Um, should should we do less than what we're doing? Is there something different to what we're doing? And yep. focus around what you love.
0: Yeah, perfect. And that last question, what drives our economic engine? To, yeah, to Sam's point, think about a metric. So for a hotel, it might be occupancy rate. You know for a sheep enterprise it might be weaning percentage um just to be the best you can be at that that might be the thing that drives everything it might be stocking rate um it might be cost of production but you get to choose what it is that if you could only focus on one number and really blow it out of the out of the park what would that one number be um in and of itself that sets up every other number in your business so sam b hag jim collins also talks about BHAG. What is it and how do people go about exploring what that is for them?
1: So BHAG is your chance to really push yourself and get out uh, into the future, Hutch. And I think this is important to start with this when we're working through planning because um, you can't set strategy looking forward from where you are now. You need to kind of project yourself out into the future and then set your strategy for your business from the future, not from where you are now, because um the temptation is, if you try and do it from where you are, is you're just making incremental changes. Uh, but what what the power of setting a really compelling BHAG is is it's like the magnet that drags you forward. Um, it's it stands for big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, and it's you know it's if you could achieve anything, what is it that you would achieve in your business? Um, and you know, really, it's your opportunity to to get together as a as a family first and I'd encourage people to do this as individually first, Hutch, and think about what is it that we want for our lives personally and to share those and then think about, well, how is it that we can structure the business up or what is it that we can set down as a goal for the business to allow us to achieve those things personally?
0: Yeah, and I think... Um... I think we think linearly. I think we train somehow to think linearly that our growth is going to be linear in nature, whereas everything in nature and the way that businesses actually grow is exponential. And so with those two constructs, we massively underestimate what we can achieve in 10 or 20 or 30 years. And we've actually all got more time on this planet than we actually think. We can all achieve whatever we want if we set our mind to it. And so The big, hairy, audacious goal, if you had almost unlimited funds and the ideal outcome and everything played out in your favour, what would you dare to dream? What would be the big thing that you would set down as a family target that enrols and inspires that might be that stretch goal bigger than that that you've ever thought of before? You know, if you think about where you were 20 or 30 years ago and all that you've achieved in that time. If you project that time forward into the future, we've all got a heap of time. So this is your opportunity to set down something that is audacious and is um, lofty and a real stretch. And again, try and make it concise. Try and come up with a really compelling statement that is that magnet that Sam talks about that can um, help you mobilize your efforts and bring focus to the decisions you make um, and bring real alignment to the team.
1: Yeah, and Hutch, I think the the other thing is, once again, it's important just to put something down for this initially. Um, and you might refine it over time as it kind of becomes clearer to you, but it's don't overanalyse it. I think the importance is it doesn't take long to set a goal, just get the goal down. Um, and it's amazing how once you set that goal, um, your mind starts thinking about, right, how do we, how am I going to achieve this? So, yeah, I think the important thing with that BHAG is not to, of feel like you need to know how you're going to get there and be able to linearly step it out as you say like just trust that by setting the goal you've already taken the the key step to set things in motion to um take you towards that because your mind is going to start thinking about well how do we get there
0: Um, yeah sam we talk about that 50 page plan that collects dust and i think what people do now is they try and sort of manufacture the next 10 or 15 years and and over-design or over-try and control and prescribe what plays out. Once we've got our BHAG, I love these next two steps because it just makes the strategic planning so simple. What's What, what are those next two steps and how um, how does it help us keep from creating those really complex over-engineered plans?
1: Yeah, so um, before we go on the next two steps, actually, the other thing I'd just say on the BHAG, we... Um, the number of times that we see people come into our Platinum Mastermind community, we've been working with a lot of businesses for seven or eight years now, uh, set down a BHAG that they thought was completely unachievable in 10 years and um, all of a sudden, five, six years in, uh, have nailed that BHAG and are resetting another BHAG that they feel completely uncomfortable about is um, is a very, very high percentage. Um, you know, it's probably close to 50%. So I, what I'd encourage people to do is is go for gold there, You know, challenge yourself, feel uncomfortable about it, should make you feel a little bit nervous. So the next step in the process, Hutch, is ten year setting a 10-year goal or a 10-year target. So once you've got that BHAG, putting some KPIs and measurables around what does 10 years look like, so how big is the business, what's our revenue and turnover, how many team members do we have, Um, just describing in as much detail as you can, what does that that, um, 10 year picture look like? Um, You know, you could could be talking about in a farming context, how much land are you farming? What sort of stocking numbers do you have if you're running a livestock enterprise? You know, those sorts of things. Um, Who's working for you, that sort of stuff. So that gives you a really clear picture then. So we've got that BHAG, but then what does 10 years look like? And after that, then we're breaking it down into a three-year goal. So what's the next three years? And we're getting more and more specific as we work forward here. Um, So the three-year goal, starting again with what's our revenue and and profit target, what are some of the KPIs we've got around the business, key performance indicators, and then describing sort of eight to 10 dot points, what does the business look like and trying to make those goals smart, Um, so specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. Yep. Do you have anything to add there around the three-year guys? I
0: just love this process. We can set a massive vision and then not over-engineer anything other than where do we need to be in 10 years to achieve the vision? And in order to nail our 10-year target, where do we need to be in three years? We don't have to worry about anything else. But to your point, Sam, if we can have eight or 10 points and some really clear metrics and measurables around the three-year goals. For me, this is where the rubber starts to hit the road. Um, the other stuff can be a little bit lofty, but we can be really accurate in what we want to have achieved or what we want to set down as our target three seasons from now. Um, so accuracy around the three years really important. Sam, before we go into the next part in the process, if I arrived to this podcast and, or this meeting and I'm feeling overwhelmed and um, under the pump and, you know, my head's just above water. I've come off a couple of tough years or whatever. It's probably fair to say that it's really hard to be thinking about BHAG and 10-year goals when you're in a bit of struggle. What would your comment be? Is it still important to go there anyway? Or is it okay to kind of park the BHAG and 10 years for now and maybe just focus in on the three-year if that's your mindset?
1: I think there's probably two scenarios I reckon Hutch that that I'd see come here. So the first one would be what we call your brick. So you've just got your to do list is so big that your just mind is consumed by all the little things that you've got to get done. And until you can kind of uh, get rid of all of those bricks, it's going to be really hard for you to think strategically and take any steps strategically. So I think if that's how you're feeling before you get to an annual planning meeting or even as part of your annual planning meeting, spend a day clearing as many of those bricks as you can, or it might even need to be a week, um, but thinking about, all right, how do we just get that stuff off our plate? Um, because it is really hard, as you say, to set that down. Um, and then the second scenario would be people who are really struggling financially or their business just isn't performing at the level it needs to, It's there's no point thinking about 10 years in that Case um, your goal needs to be break even or else. And when are we going to have that done by? And then all of the focus uh, for the planning day is around how are we going to get this business to at least break even, and then we'll start thinking about how do we make it deliver what we want.
0: Yeah, I really like that. So if you're in a situation where yeah, break even is a challenge for you, you might start with three year goals and one year goal, and then really drill into right. What are the things that have to happen? To be able to consistently and predictably break even and make a make a first profit, um, so that's that's cracking. I think Sam. Even before we get into one year goals and then breaking down into quarters, let's spend some time on that brick list because in the process, ten year, three year goals, brick list does probably come next, doesn't it? Where we start sort of really unpacking that.
1: Yeah. Before we start getting into the twelve to twelve month goals, we would always. Um go and look at our brick list so we keep a kind of combined one at farm owners academy and a lot of the stuff that comes up in our weekly meetings that's not urgent doesn't need to be action we just sort of park it and it goes onto our brick list and you'll find that grows through the quarter um so we sit down and review that and the aim of that that process so so just to clarify what a brick is hutch sorry it's anything left undone um so yeah so anything left undone So we we keep a list of those items um, because often they're not urgent, but they consume space in your mind. And if you don't write them down, they're just banging around in your head. And, um, you know, you struggle to kind of stay focused on what you need to, to keep keep going and keep moving the business forward.
0: And Just to expand on that, Sam, if I could. So if you're about to climb a mountain and go on this ascent towards a summit, which could be your BHAG and your tenure and your three-year goals, if you're just about to get started, and you've got a backpack full of bricks that's weighing you down, the best thing you can do is empty the backpack and get rid of the bricks. And so to Sam's point, a brick is any task that is in your mind that is undone or left undone or not resolved. And, you know, I just think it's cracking in our strategic planning method, Sam, that we're getting all of those things that are in everyone's head onto one list Um, That is all the unresolved small, medium, major issues that exist within our business that we need to go to work to resolve over time. There's no way you're going to resolve them all um, before or as part of the planning day, but having them in one list, ultimately, they're like speed hunts. Ultimately, if over the course of the next two or three or four years, all you do is remove the bricks, then by default, you move towards your goals. know efficiency um, quality improvement performance all comes from busting through these bricks i think when we first did this sam when you arrived we had 140
1: bricks or something like that on our brick list yeah yeah it was quite big hutch um and uh we did spend a bit of time just unbricking i think um over the the course of that sort of first 12 months um but i think It's important to note also a lot of the things that were on that brick list, like they weren't urgent, they weren't important, but they were consuming energy for people when they were in their head and just getting them down there and deciding collectively that, you know what, that doesn't need to be done this quarter or next quarter or at all this year um, gives people permission to just let it go and um, stay focused on the things that are going to continue to move the business forward.
0: Yeah. So prioritising the brick list. A, needs to be done this quarter, B, could be done next quarter, C, at some point, D, later. Like you just, just think about how you want to prioritise those. But but then the great thing is that you can start bringing some of those higher priority bricks in and making them part of your one-year and quarterly strategic plan, which we'll come to. But, but developing a brick list, especially for those of you that are feeling reactive and feeling overwhelmed um, and feeling Um, to Sam's point, feeling bricked, feeling overloaded can be a really healthy place to start in this process. So Sam, once we've got our three-year goals, we've got our brick list, we've spent some time probably prioritising our brick list, and it's all out of our head and on paper. The next step's one-year goals or 12-month goals. Would you mind speaking to that and then the process to break that down into quarters?
1: Yeah, so getting really specific now, like twelve months should be super achievable. You should be able to see how you can do it and um, and know what you can what you're going to do, and and ultimately you should be preparing a budget and um, an operations plan that kind of supports that. So um, yeah, it should it should be really achievable. But in there, you'd have a list of you know, five to ten goals, hutch, outside of the metrics that you've got um, that just describe. What is it that we need to have done this year to really strategically move our business forward? Um, you know, what what are the key new skills we need as business owners? What are the what are the the um, opportunities we've got as a business that we need to explore? What are the things that we're going to have done by the end of this year that are going to take us towards that three and ten year goal? What's the difference between that operational plan and what we're talking about? So yeah, not, no operational tasks go in this. Um, in this plan, Hutch. So, uh, you know, it's it's not all the day-to-day things like getting ready for seeding and getting ready for harvest and that sort of thing, but it might be building a system around seeding or building a system around harvest and having that documented so that next year you don't need to do that. So that could be a good goal. Um, you know, it's not um, managing the team you've already got, but it might be building the performance review process Um, that you're going to have, or it might be upskilling yourself as a leader, or it might be recruiting that next employee. They're all strategic goals.
0: Yep, perfect. One-off improvements to the farm, like laneways or, um, you know, overhauling the shearing shed or, um, yeah, subdividing a section of the farm to drive performance or the opposite. Um, they're okay to go in this plan because they're all one-off priorities that drive improvement. Is that a fair comment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I and mean, often they're big capital items that need thought and assessment as to whether they um, you know have have the payback that you're looking for in your business. So yes, absolutely they should go in there, um, yeah, but not not the general day-to-day operational items.
0: Excellent. And so worthwhile really sitting on and exhausting this definition of your one-year goals. And beyond the business, it should include targets for individuals around holidays, um, any, any family-focused um, events or hobbies, or, you know, you, it's important at this point that people do think about what they want to achieve for their own development and in their own
1: lives as individuals and as families over and above what the business achieves. Yeah, and I'd always encourage everyone to put their holidays in first. Um, put your holidays in first, any kind of education you want to have done, put that in as well, and then um, work out how to make the rest work around what you want to do. And then, Sam,
0: arriving to quarters and a quarterly plan, how how do people achieve that?
1: Yeah, so the the brilliance of this process, I think, Hutch, you spend all this time getting a 10-year, 3-year goal one year goal together, and then you kind of can let go of it, um, and you you just get yourself fully focused on the next ninety days. So after you've got your one year goal together, you know that one year goal is taking you towards your three year goal. You know your three year goal is taking you towards your ten year goal. Um, so then you build a ninety day plan, and and what we say is you, you're picking rocks, and what a, a rock is is a strategic priority for your business, and it's looking at those annual goals. What are the three to five things? maximum that we need to get done in the next 90 days that are going to help us uh, move towards those one-year goals that we've set down. Um, And so the 90-day process is about prioritising and selecting what those next three to five things are. It's about deciding who's going to be responsible for doing them and then breaking each of those rocks down into specific tasks um, that need to be done to achieve it. So a good example might be if you're going to recruit a new employee, you might have to write the job ad. Um, you might have to write the position description. You have to work out where you're gonna post the job ad. You need to go and you know speak to these 15 different people to see if they're interested. Um, you break it down to that level, all the different things that you need to be done and by when.
0: What's a mistake that most people make at this point, Sam?
1: The two things that happen in the quarterly planning process, um, Hutch, that are a bit of a mistake. Um, number one is there's operational stuff starts creeping in, so it might be you know get ready for seeding this quarter, um, which is not not a strategic priority. Um, and the other one is they just try and put too much in. Like I think you're better to focus on putting less in and focus on completing it than trying to put more in and not completing it. So if you only feel like you can achieve one. Thing in the next quarter, strategic priority in the next quarter. Then I would say put one in there and make sure you do it is better than putting three in there and not doing any of them. Yep.
0: But you mentioned three to five. If there's a team of three or four of you, it's still the same. It's what are the three, two, three, maybe four, rarely five things that we want to put down as rocks, those high priority improvement projects for this quarter. The great thing about this part in the process is that you can then give one of those rocks to each of your team. And it's a great way to divide and multiply that if four of you are all focusing in on one growth project and really taking the lead on that, it's not all back on one person's head to drive the improvement. The growth shared and the results can amplify. Um, I think that's so important. And to your point, Sam, what I like to do Is once we're clear on the rock, and you mentioned that recruiting example, is just to ask the question if I had to write a to-do list for someone else to be able to follow so that they could implement on this rock and get this done for me, what would those actionable steps need to look like? So you really are writing an exhaustive to-do list of what are the things that what are the tasks that need to happen from start to finish over the course of this quarter to get this project done. with real accuracy. Because if you can do all that thinking up front in week one of the quarter, then the next 12 weeks are all and only about implementation. You don't arrive to week three and four and try and work out what needs to be done. You go to that list and you can be really effective in the time that you've allocated on implementation, which is just so important.
1: Yeah. And the power in that then, is you've got this kind of roadmap for the next quarter, right? Everyone in the team is clear on who's responsible for what, and I think the important thing is that there's only one name against each of those tasks. It's not two names and you get to the end of the quarter and people are pointing at each other wondering who was going to do it. Um, it's it's one name. And um, everyone leaves the meeting just super clear on w- what they have to do in the next 90 days. Um, and then the power of that is that there's all these things, we'll call them opportunities, that might come up through the next 90 days. And the challenge you've got then is to assess, okay, well, is this more important for me to spend time on than what I've already set down in my quarterly plan? And you need to continuously ask yourself that um, because often a lot of those opportunities are not actually opportunities, they're just distractions. Um, and so they can go into the brick list and be dealt with at the next quarterly planning meeting.
0: I think this is something you're really disciplined around is once we set down our quarterly plan, all of these opportunities present but Sam, you're really strong at turning around and saying, right, on the on the, on the the list for next quarter, we don't deviate from the plan that we have. So many people can get caught up chasing the bright and shiny opportunity that lands in our lap this week and have it take our attention away from the plan that we set down. So I think that's a great point. And then, Sam, as we get into each quarter, the thing I like about this is that the weekly meetings can really be only about where are you up to with your rock and its implementation, what support do you need, and are you on track or off track, and how do we need to correct?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right, Hutch, and that—that's the the value of that rhythm as well. Is just that that weekly team meeting. It's an opportunity to just check in outside of the operational stuff as well. How are we tracking on those strategic priorities that are going to move our business forward? And and as you say, what what support do you need? Um, it really is a simple process, and it's about just creating a rhythm in the business that takes a lot of the pressure out of trying to make decisions all the time. Like it's, you know, you spend one or two days um, every quarter just intently focused on where are we off to? And then the rest of the quarter is not, there's not so much strategic thinking. You, you kind of just get on with implementing.
0: Yep. And at the end of the day, businesses that are actually getting it done and growing rapidly are the ones that are great at implementation. and. So often the plans that we have that are in our heads or they're on paper, they're just they're not focused on getting stuff done week on week. And, you know, so we advocate for that weekly meeting that is bringing accountability on everyone to implement strongly. And we also recommend that we need to be allocating five hours per week to implementing on these strategic plans so that not a week goes by when we haven't actually made some improvement or some. Um, advances in the direction of the BHAG and the visions that we've set down as a team. Sam, are there any other parts of the strategic plan that you'd like to speak to? I've just got a couple of other questions for you. Um, but Is there any other part to it that that we've missed or that you'd like to cover?
1: No, other than I think often in business, we have this belief that we need to make drastic change to kind of get a big difference to our results and I think what this process allows you to realize is that often our success is only sort of three degrees left or right of where we're currently looking and the problem is we just we're not taking the time out to go and work out what that little adjustment is we're so busy trying to do more of what we're already doing that we just missed that opportunity so that's that's I guess what I love about this Hutch is it's um it's slowing down to speed up it's stepping out of the day-to-day operations and just looking up at the horizon and looking sort of left and right a little bit and going, you know what, is there some tweaks we can make here that are going to make our life easier and our business better?
0: So for those of you interested, um, this is a really powerful three-page strategic planning process that can really align and enrol your team to a really concise, actionable plan. We're going to share a template of this. Um, So if you click on the link that's in the intro to this episode. Um, It'll take you through to a landing page where you can just enter your details and we'll email you, or you can download um, the template that all of our Platinum Mastermind members and our alumni members are on. And so many of our Take Control members are learning and applying to their businesses. It just gets incredible results when people implement an action this with discipline. Is that a fair comment, Sam?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing it gives you, Hutch, is just a sense of control. And clarity in your business that you often don't feel, and I I feel quite um, uh, strange when we don't have the planning process sort of humming in our business, or when you're getting to sort of the end of the quarter and it's about time to reset it, you kind of get this weird feeling. So yeah, one it is hard at the start, and you will probably suck at it a little bit to start with, but just know that that's okay. Like that's where we started as well, Um, but it's by applying it consistently that you get better.
0: Yeah, and so your first. One of these, your annual meeting, your quarterly meetings, they'll be clunky and clumsy a little bit, but we feel good about ourselves to the degree to which we feel like we're in control. And this is a key step, I think, in moving from reactive to proactive in how we lead and turn up and take our businesses forward. Sam, um, at this point, I like to go back to the budget and make sure that my budget is lined up with the outcomes of the 12-months strategic plan and the the quarterly priorities that we're setting down. Um, I find that there's real alignment when our strategic roadmap and our financial roadmap for the next 12 months are talking with each other.
1: Do you agree to that? 100%, mate. And um, yeah, I just can't stress the importance of a budget enough either in terms of it as a strategic decision-making tool in your business. You should be running any of those key decisions through your budget and checking the outcome is what you want it to be. Yeah. And so coming back up a level,
0: Sam, and just sort of rounding this out, if we come back to the two-day planning meeting that we've just had, um, can you just speak to where we got to? We moved through this whole process and there was some stuff to round out after our two days together, but this is exactly the process that we went through. Um, How do you reflect on where we got to as a team? And then my next question is... um, How do you keep people on track? And what tips would you have for someone who is facilitating perhaps their first sort of two-day planning meeting with their team and family? So where did we get to? Um, How do you feel about that? And then what tips do you have to help people facilitate a powerful two-day meeting?
1: Yeah, so I'm really proud of where we got to over that two days, Hutch. And I think for us, um, you know, farm owners is a great business and it's got a great team and you know that what what I think we came up with in the room over that two days wasn't what I was expecting. Um, so I think that would be, you know, the key lesson I learn out of every one of these is don't go in with preconceived ideas. Just you know, come and trust that the wisdom is in the room within your team, and that you're going to come to an outcome collectively that's better than the sum of the parts individually. So um, yeah, just super pumped with where we're off to with the business hutch and and the clarity by which. Um, you know, that has that all been uh, documented now and, and the clarity everyone has to move forward with. Yeah, that's perfect. And Sam, you've got
0: this real strength in allowing a conversation to play out, but knowing when to pull it up and bring people back onto agenda and back into focus. Have you got some tips for people who are facilitating a planning meeting like this, perhaps for the first or second time?
1: It's, it's definitely a learned skill, Hutch. But I think the key thing that that helps me is you kind of you've got a framework of what you want to cover over the course of a of a two day planning, and that's the the template that we'll share has an agenda. But um, if you're the facilitator, just being really clear what's the outcome that we want to have at the end of this session, and how much time are we going to give ourselves to get to that outcome, and then really it's about um, sort of watching the conversation as they go, you know, being aware of who you've got in the room. If you've got people who are perhaps quieter and less likely to speak up, encouraging them to talk by asking them questions or, you know, bringing them into the conversation first. And um, sometimes you might need to manage some of the louder people that might be in your team or um, have a chat with them beforehand just about how best for them to conduct themselves. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that would be my kind of two tips. Hutch, I think, have a, have a clear outcome you want out of each session and just, you know, focus your energy on moving the conversation towards getting that outcome. Um, and uh, and then the second one is just thinking about who you've got in the room and, and how you encourage everyone to kind of have the space to share what it is they want to share.
0: Yeah, and a tip from me if I could, um, it's your agenda. So I think trust the process. Um, And as the person convening the meeting, be strong on the agenda and the timing that's allocated to each step. But at the same time, it can be a really compelling step to bring a facilitator in. Um, If you're in a family business where sometimes the conversation is less than professional and you arrive to a meeting offsite, two days of planning, I think one of the things that can really help make sure that you have a really professional and productive two-day event is to bring a non-family member in to lead the conversation. Um, I would encourage you though to to have them stay true to the agenda that we've set and the planning template that we recommend Um, and that way you can have your cake and eat it. You can come up with a concise actionable strategic plan, introduce the quarterly planning rhythm and all of those things we've talked about but Give yourself a chance of making sure that your family conducts themselves in a way that is highly professional for having someone lead the conversation as a non-family member. Fair comment, Sam?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Hutch. I mean, getting an external facilitator can be quite helpful. And and I've I've done that before um, in other businesses I'm involved in as well, because sometimes you do just want to participate. You don't necessarily want to have to lead the conversation either. But I think if you're going to do that, just remember you're still responsible for the outcome to be achieved so it's on you to help the facilitator uh, be clear on what it is you're wanting to get out of the two days and and to support them in getting there as well um so yeah i'd say that the other tip hutch that i find works well um particularly when you just talk about there where you might have people that have strong views and um you know can't come to a resolution or whatever around some of those things is to put a big sticky note or a whiteboard up and write parking lot on it. And sometimes there's things that you're just not going to be able to resolve in the two days. So just get that item up on a parking lot. It allows people to feel like they've been heard and you can continue to move the conversation forward. Um, And then you can come back to those issues with some more space uh, throughout the quarter. Yep. And so
0: I think it's fair to say, Sam, that you and I both genuinely feel like this planning tool is a key System, if you like, for helping people move from feeling reactive in their business to feeling proactive and in control. And it's a really powerful way in which to bring clarity to a team and to align a team. Um, we recommend it highly. Sam, I just want to, a shout out to you. Um, we thought we did this well <laughs> three years ago and we, we chipped away at it. And I think we grew the business really strongly for this discipline, but you've just brought so much extra rigor. Um, real diligence and real discipline around how we document this plan right down to how we prioritize each brick list in our bricks. And we, we go through the same agenda. It's, it's rinse and repeat and really powerful. But then the way in which you bring accountability across our whole team um, to have us all on track within every quarter to implementation, I think this is a real strong suit of yours. And so for all of those listening, I hope you've enjoyed listening to Sam unpack the importance of this two-day planning process and share his insights um, for you on how to get it done. Sam, as always, mate, great to connect. Really appreciate your time. And sincerely, thank you for the discipline and the rigour that you bring to leading our team through this process.
1: Thanks, Hutch, and thanks for your leadership as well, mate. It is um, it is a real, as I said, I'm really grateful to be part of this business. And um, the mission that sits behind Farm Owners Academy is incredible and the community we support is incredible. So big shout out. To everyone out there in that, um, and I would encourage anyone who's listening—if you do want to learn more about this um, and you, you download those planning templates—do do reach out to us. Um, you know, happy to have a chat with you. So please reach out to support at farmownersacademy.com, and we'd be very happy to um, talk with you about how to apply this in your business.
0: One of my biggest learnings in finishing is—I've um, heard it said that. One of the best things you can do in business is to surround yourself in people smarter than you and then come together and work out where you're going. Um, I probably hadn't practised that before, Sam, and I think so often as employees we employ people that aren't at our level, which is the wrong frame. We we employ people who can get stuff done on our farms and we don't necessarily think about employing high-caliber people that can bring new and significant value. I think Farm Owners Academy is an example of exactly that, where we've gone and um, brought people into the business who shoot the light, lights out in their field, and then we sit down and work out where we're going. And so for those on farm that are thinking about building out your team and resourcing up, think seriously about bringing in high caliber people who can arrive to a planning day like this and add at least as much value as you bring. Um, I've personally had that experience of doing this over the last few years, and I recommend it highly. Having people like Sam and Tracy and Michaela and Westy and Robbo and Greg and, gosh, the list goes on, Leah, who else did we have there, Sam? Um, It was incredible to sit with people who all brought so much value to that and to your point too, the power of the wisdom in the room. Um, Like you, I arrived to a point at the end of our two days that I wasn't expecting and absolutely delighted by the strategic roadmap that we now have and the way in which we plan to grow the business. It's just so exciting. Thanks, Hutch. Thanks, guys. Hope that was valuable. Um, Look forward to your feedback. And as I say, download a template of our planning method um, through the link provided in the written intro to this podcast. Sam, thanks for your time. Take care, everyone. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Profitable Farmer podcast by Farm Owners Academy. If you're new to this show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a long time listener, let your friends know about us or come continue the conversation in the Profitable Farmer Facebook group. All the best as you grow your business and create your freedom farm. Until next time, keep being incredible.